0: rang the bell outside and um nothing happened for about a quarter of an hour so I <laughs> again and eventually this this woman came to the you know, flung the door open said hello i'm teresa i've just been eating sardines and we our friendship began immediately um and she's she's my best portuguese friend uh, up there in the region
1: E bem-vindo! Portugal, the simple life An insider's perspective to Portugal If your plans to have a property abroad include delicious food, a fantastic climate, friendly people, and lots of things to see and do, then Portugal is definitely the right place to be. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective of living in Portugal and a glimpse of the marvelous lifestyle that has captivated foreigners from all over the world. Join his weekly podcasts where along with his guests they shine some light on the various aspects of investing and owning a property in Portugal. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome! To the simple
2: life this week I'm joined by James Mayer owner and operator of grape discoveries James is originally from the UK but has found his home and runs his business here in Portugal we discuss amongst other things the magic of the Douro Valley Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Portugal The Simple Life. I'm delighted to be joined by James Mayer. James, thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure, Dylan. Good morning. Morning. So James, you are you are usually reside in Porto. We'll we'll get more onto that. But at the moment you are socially social distancing in, in Lisbon uh, during this, this corona pandemic. How is everything there?
0: Well, it, it's, uh, we're evolving towards um, deconfinement, which is very good news. Uh, yesterday I was out in the park uh, there's a lovely garden near here called the, the Jardin de Moraria, and uh, people were being very responsible. There were a lot of people there with their dogs. Um, and then we had our first uh, evening meal out in an Indian restaurant. That was, that was really something to, to celebrate.
2: Date night. You had a date night. That's, that's great. Oh, wonderful, um, James. Let's let's. Uh, we, we're doing this meeting by Zoom. I would much prefer be having this conversation uh, at a maybe a little Patishku place in in Porto somewhere, over some some presunto and some some chorizo and some good wine. Oh, that's sounds. But, uh, but so let's pretend that we're in one of these places. We're strangers. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Okay, um, I'm a traveler. I, uh, I love traveling, particularly in Europe. Um, I'm, I'm half British and on my mother's side, uh, she, w- she was German-Hungarian.
2: So wow. okay.
0: I'm actually quite a, quite a mixed bag and I, I've always considered myself as a European. And uh, I, I was actually quite distressed by the whole Brexit thing, which seems, uh, seems unnecessary. And uh, for many years, I lived in France, and my kids are half French. Um, so, I, as I said, I, I, I'm a traveller, and I'm also a writer. I write about uh, the wine industry here in, in Portugal, and I own a boutique uh, wine tourism company, uh, which is called Grape Discoveries. Grape as in the, the bunch on the uh, on the vine,
2: as in the fruit.
0: That's right,
2: yeah. Fantastic. I love the name. Uh, I think I, I said to you the first time we spoke that I, I just thought the name was, the Grape Discoveries name was, was fantastic. Okay. But we'll we'll get on to the, the Grape Discoveries. Um, you mentioned that you're a mixture of things. I'm, I'm also a mixture. I've got some Irish blood. I've got some Welsh blood, German, South yep. African, and I'm living in Portugal. It's my home now. Um, and so uh, I think, uh, you know, for, for us that have got these... Portugal is a good place for, for people like us because uh, there is this culture of acceptance and, and culture yes, of...
0: Yes, yes. I, I think if, if you are a mix to start with, if I can say this, you're, you're very fortunate. Uh, and as you say, uh, Portugal itself is, is, is such a melting pot of, of uh, different nationalities. I mean, you, 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 you had the, the Arab influence, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Jewish influence. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of people from different parts of Africa, um, right back through history and, and more recently through the, through the, uh, former Portuguese colonies and, and now a whole wave of people like us and digital nomads and, uh, it's, it's, it's a great multicultural society.
2: Amazing. It's amazing here. I, you know, you, you, you always hear at the beginning, um, when you first think about Portugal, you hear, you know, you from a from an overseas perspective you hear about the algov and how it's very british centric but it's not like that anymore here it's so cosmopolitan so international people from everywhere in the world it's something that's come up on on multiple episodes uh, as well of the podcast how just so many people from all over the world are finding a connection and a relationship and a, and a home in many cases here. In-
0: yes, that, that's very true. I think the, the, the Brits, of course, were one of the first major groups to, to turn up here. Um, we're, we're kind of pioneer travelers. Of yep. often. Um, but there have been French waves and Swiss waves and, you know, lots of them, Americans.
2: Well, th- that's interesting that you say that. We know that, that, um, Portugal and the UK have got one of the oldest if not the oldest living treaties in the world um, which is the the Wis- Windsor I think it's called the Windsor Treaty yes uh, that's
0: right yes 12th, 12th century
2: okay but now you came over your relationship with Portugal started at a very young age you came across here with your folks um, so tell us a little bit how how that the, those sort of formative years and, and your relationship with this country Yes, it was, it was a little
0: while after the 12th century, but it, it, it must be <laughs> a year or two after the, after the uh, Carnation Revolution in the, in the 1970s. And um, I remember we, we drove right across Europe from, from London. It seemed to take days and days and days and we got to this, this country which was in those days like, like black and white photographs, you know? Um, but yet with this very, very strong light, that's now become part of your life and my life, living in this wonderful southern place. And uh, it seemed certainly compared to London and the UK, it seemed very um, very backward, really, in those days. Um, very beautiful, very romantic. Incredible. I remember incredible fruit. Um, uh, and and uh, a swimming pool that was full of green slime, but just felt <laughs> absolutely incredible and refreshing.
2: Tell me, about, you you mentioned that it was backward and it felt backward to you. What describe that a little bit more? Could you go into more detail?
0: Yes, I I, I don't want backward to, to to seem like a a pejorative uh, or condescending term. No, not at all. You know, there was there was still you could still see oxen and horses in in, in the fields, and um, I think I, I remember even seeing um, you know f- fishermen, women women selling fish barefoot, the uh, the bariños, as they used to be called, uh, and they of course died out when there were modern refrigeration techniques and supermarkets and so forth. But they were a, a colourful part of life back then. It,
2: I mean, did did the uh, were you aware of the 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 sort of prelude to to coming? Were you aware of what had happened in terms of the revolution and 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 that that upheaval? Um, I th- yeah, I
0: think I think I was I was a little bit young. I do remember my my parents talking about these momentous events, um, and it seemed a good time for them to visit because Portugal, of course, was very inexpensive and you could. Uh, rent a nice place for a for a holiday, and and uh, uh, but I I think I was too young to really be aware of the political um, implications.
2: Okay, okay. So it would have been difficult for you as a as a young boy to sort of get a feeling for for the for what the country was like or the general yes, tone.
0: Yes yeah, yeah.
2: And you you also uh, mentioned previously in in, in your. Uh, in talking about Portugal, how you found that light, uh, and you're not only talking about a physical light, you're talking about a, a feeling and a, and a and a and a and an environment and an atmosphere here uh, that 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 made you feel welcome. Is that what you were referring to? Yes,
0: yes, indeed. Yeah, um, as I as as I think I said, uh, I spent my childhood in 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 uh, in England. Mm-hmm. Of course, that there, does not. A lot of physical light. Well, with time, and change, it's getting a little bit better. Uh, and then I then I lived in in France, which is a, a beautiful country. It's been really fantastic people, uh, but it, it can be slightly tense. And that kind of tension has has completely disappeared from my life in 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 Portugal. Um, and when I was Few years ago, looking for looking around Europe a little bit and thinking, well, where can I relocate? Where can I uh, go for new new challenges? When I found Portugal, uh, I thought, hey, this place is, is is so laid back, but in 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 the best kind of way. There's there's a wonderful energy here as well. Um, it's not it's not passive.
2: Tell us a little bit about that journey from France to Portugal. Um, the the misconception perhaps for people is that well, it doesn't sound like a very big jump, you know, going from France to Lisbon. We're practically uh, France to Portugal. They're practically neighbours, but it is a big change for people that have in that have experienced French culture and now and and, and then experienced Portuguese culture. There's there's quite a big difference.
0: The cultural shift uh, from from France to to uh, to Portugal, it, it, it's absolutely enormous. Um, the, the Portuguese uh, are are very modest people. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't take themselves too seriously. There, there's a kind of um, immediacy and and intimacy and uh, availability for friendship, which is really very um, attractive when when you when you arrive. Um, and I'm not Portuguese, so of course I have um, expat friends of different sorts, but I've never found it difficult to to meet Portuguese people and to get to know them. So that, that has been absolutely key in my um, Portugal experience. Um, there's also a question of scale. Of course, it's a small country, a small population. And I remember living in France, you know, if you wanted to meet the head of this or the head of that for professional reasons, you would kind of Hammer at the door for weeks and weeks and weeks, and sometimes not even get in here again it's very easy uh, if, if you say hi i'm 'm a foreigner um, I hear you've got an interesting business i'd like to meet you um, you you get to see the, the the top guy or the top woman immediately and, and and that that's another aspect of this very open welcoming personality and i I love that I think it's good you, you, the, the, you know you, you cut through all the all, all the time wasting and the you know um, protective layers.
2: I think it is. I think it is that we don't take ourselves so seriously, and there aren't these hier- hierarchical barriers. And you know, you. I think it starts in the ca- in the cafe. You know, in the coffee shop. Like yeah. you have your coffee exactly. in the morning. There's the CEO. There's this the directors. There's everybody, and we're all just.
0: Sure. And the you, same- you talk about hierarchical barriers. Yeah, that makes me think of Portugal's current um, president, Marcello uh, who's this highly educated, sophisticated guy? But in, in 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 another sense, he's very much a man of the people and and loves you know, walking around, meeting people, hugging them, going for a you know a swim in the morning, that kind of thing.
2: And then, how did you choose Porto and and this area that you that you that you're residing in? How did that um, become your choice of? Well,
0: when I, when I got off the plane, so to speak, I, I um, went out and bought an apartment in, in Lisbon, if, if I can put it like that. And then um, a friend introduced me to this amazing uh, wine region in the north of Portugal, the Douro.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, to get to the Douro, you more or less have to go through Porto. And uh, I realized that in fact, um, all the things I wanted to do could could be done in that in that region, but maybe I'm I'm leaping ahead a little bit.
2: Uh, it's it's it has gained prominence over the last few years. But what is it about about Porto that is so special and so unique?
0: Yeah. Porto is um, Portugal's second city, and it, it's got this amazing location. Uh, it's slightly inland from the Atlantic, and it's on the way to the Douro, which is the world's largest mountain vineyard. Um, so it, it's got a lot of of incredible beauty on, on both sides. You know, you, you can walk along the, the beach uh, for, for, for miles. You can eat fresh fish every day. Uh, there's that, a, a kind of slightly cooler temperature because you're on the Atlantic coast. And then you have this this incredibly beautiful region, the Douro, which is only about an, an hour's drive um, from Porto. And it's a lovely scale city. It's a, it's a you know, a small city. Um, with a hell of a lot going on in it today, and you can walk across it in an hour, which for me is, is a real luxury. Uh, I hardly I hard use my car when I when I'm actually in the city, and uh, it, it's delightful, really.
2: That's a great city. I've visited a few times, and and we love coming there for weekends and and things like that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and we're going to get on to grape discoveries in a in a minute and what you're doing with with that. Um, but one what? of the things that you mentioned when you talk about in in I've I've watched a couple of your videos and um and things like that about grape discoveries. And one of the things that you, you mention is how you've become an insider. And for me that's a fascinating thing because and it's the same for me. I, I do. I feel like I'm an insider now. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. but, but and yeah. I haven't been here for that long, you know. Um, and neither have you. And it's amazing how we we have that feeling and 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 of being welcomed, and being part of the community already.
0: Yes, it's a fantastic feeling. I'm not sure if that would be possible in in every country. Um, I, I had a, a, a couple of pieces of good good luck. Um, in, in, in the Douro, um, on, on, on one kind of prospecting trip, I was looking for a, for a place to stay, and I'd left it a bit late, and all the places I could afford already booked up. So I thought, well, why not try Airbnb? And so I did. And I started um, corresponding with the owner, and suddenly I realized that she had a, a, a very uh, illustrious wine family name, and... Um, I then realized, a uh, uh, little after, that she was actually married to the, to the then chairman of, of one of the biggest um, wine companies in, in, in uh, Portugal. Uh, so we became friends and, and they were incredibly, again, incredibly uh, welcoming and, and helpful to me in my, in my, in my, um, on my professional path. And then another amazing encounter was actually, she's English, and another amazing encounter was with a Portuguese lady called Teresa. And uh, I was looking for, again, for for hotels to recommend to to future clients. And uh, one day I rocked up at her hotel and rang the bell outside and um, nothing happened for about a quarter of an hour. So I (laughs) rang again. Eventually this this woman came to the, you know, flung the door open, and said, hello, I'm Teresa. I've just been eating sardines. And we, <laughs> our friendship began immediately. Um, and she's, she's my best Portuguese friend uh, up there in the region.
2: Amazing. So tell us... Um... Uh, a bit more about Grape Discoveries, the beginning uh, of Grape Discoveries, and, and and what you do? Well,
0: um, we, we we do two things. We, we do um, private tours to the dora Valley, all right? So by private, I mean a maximum of four customers. Um, and I drive them to the Doro, and we, we, we have a, a very kind of conversational day. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, it takes about an hour to get to the Dora. So that gives me plenty of time to um, kind of get to know the people in the car and, and, and find out what they're interested in. Um, I, think, I think a lot of tourism makes a mistake of imposing, uh, a, a, you know, a, a torrent of facts and stuff. Uh, I think it's much more enjoyable, certainly for the, for the customer, when when you're actually having a dialogue, a conversation, um, and then we, we try and we try and meet some of the the local people, uh, the people who make the wine, the people who run the restaurants. Uh, a, a lot of fascinating people out there, and um, walk around and look at the scenery, um, and um, it I, I find that very often people have a almost a, an emotional connection with the Dora, and. Um, and and uh, they're absolutely won over by the end of the day, not not necessarily because I've done something extraordinary, but just because the the Doro is such a magical place
2: but I wonder if it has got something to do with you as well i mean you' you seem to have this really emotional and and strong connection and love for for this for this place
0: yes um yes i do i I think it's the the first time in my life that I've really had an emotional connection with, um, you know, with a with, with region. And it was, it was, it was, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound corny, but it was a little bit, bit like falling in love. And you've never met the person before, you, you have no idea it's going to happen. And it was just like that. I, you know, I, I knew nothing about the Dora before I, I, I arrived in, in Portugal. And there was this very, very strong, um, impact when I went up there the first time. And um, it's a region that, it, it's, it's become my kind of spiritual home. And it's, it's a region which for me, combines a, a lot of the things that that I like. Um, you know, wonderful people with good stories, incredible architecture, wine, of course, um, extraordinary scenery, you know, the, the, the possibility to, to, to go for walks um it, 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 there's a whole kind of uh, lifestyle there really which is very satisfying
2: beautiful so just paint us a picture of what a a tour would look like um i've i've seen a couple of the reviews on the on on your on your website and with tripadvisor and people are i mean they love it they i've i've read a couple of things where people have said it's the best tour They've ever been on for anything. Uh, that's that's a wonderful compliment. What? Just t- give us a picture of what a day would look like in, in with one of those tours.
0: Yes, it's 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 always incredibly gratifying to get uh, reviews like that. But seriously, I think I think I've had some fantastic uh, customers as well. Um, so it, you know, it, it works it works both mm-hmm. ways. Of course, well, I, I would I would uh, pick the customers up in Porto about nine o'clock, nine thirty um mid morning latest we're, we're in the Doro uh, we, we leap out of the car and stretch our legs have a have a cup of coffee look at the view um and and it's 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 silent it's incredibly silent i I say to people look just just look and then I shut up for a couple of minutes and they they look at this amazing nature and sometimes you you get the, the early morning mist peeling off the land and um then after a moment you can, you can see in the distance, somebody working in the fields and the whole place suddenly comes, comes alive. Uh, And then we, we do a winery visit, which might be followed by picnic lunch or a a lunch in a, in a local tasca, possibly a second winery visit or a walk. Um, Sometimes we go to a small town called Amago or to another one called Amarat. no, there, there are various programs. Uh, I've got a lovely one where I take people to the homes of two cousins. Um, first of all, we we go to one home and have lunch around a, an 18th-century kitchen table. Amazing, can you imagine? Um, in 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 a home that looks like it hasn't been changed for hundreds of years. And this is it, it's a wine wine producing family, so that a lot of very interesting. Uh, wine stories, and then after lunch we go to this person's cousin, uh, Jose, and he, he has a little private museum, and and uh, he's still a, a wine maker himself. Um, so I mean, all, all these people uh, speak fantastic English, which is very very spoiling for me, and uh, have have really really interesting stories. You know.
2: Aren't you amazed by the the language, uh, the amount of people? sometimes in the middle of nowhere who just speaks such beautiful English. I'm sure there must've been a huge change coming from France, uh, to, to in that regard. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, yes. It's a nice change not to have your, yes, to be given more encouragement as we struggle to speak Portuguese. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's very impressive how many people speak good English.
2: It's, it sounds like people are getting a, like uh, you said it, but uh, an an insider's perspective into what life is like in that part of of Portugal. Yes, yes, I think they
0: are. Uh, I mean, one of the other things that uh, helped me become an insider was the decision to do a series of interviews of uh, leading wine producers and winemakers in the Douro. And uh, I was fortunate in that I was able to begin with a couple of stars, and after that, the Bull you know, kept rolling. And uh, that's opened a lot of doors in, in the profession for me and um, given me a certain amount of uh, inside information and knowledge.
2: I watched one of the interviews, well I watched all of the interviews actually, but the one that was quite, um, Absolutely. Well, yeah. that was fascinating was with Adrian from from Taylor's. Adrian Bridge, yes. Adrian Bridge from Taylor's Wine, and and he he spoke also because of the, the also you spoke a lot about the, the changes in, in global climate and and all of that which was fascinating um, and and the effects that it has on on the wine industry. But he spoke a little bit about the the vine, and if you take the vine out of the Doru, uh, what do you have? And 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 he uh, you notes know, that age-old um, wine discussion. Uh, we had a winemaker on a previous episode who's a winemaker from the Alentejo, and obviously oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tom, Tomas Lima-Meyer, and he right. obviously thinks the Alentejo is the best wine region in the world. My <laughs> brother-in-law happens to think it's the Dao uh, region, you know, and then there's obviously people who think it's the Doru. Some, some people
0: might say the Barada. The
2: okay, w- where is that? that that's
0: uh, just in the north.
2: Okay, okay. I'm not fully aware of that, that area. Um,
0: no, the the, the door is very much a um a monoculture in in, in in from from an economic point of perspective. I mean as you were saying, if you took the the, the, the wine uh, industry out, that there wouldn't be um, much left. And and the the, the wine production of, of course has generated wine tourism, that the two go mm-hmm. together. And uh, as elsewhere in the world, uh, Doro wine producers have realised that, that tourists can be fantastic um, brand ambassadors for their for their wine making. The, the Doro, as you, you go further towards um, Spain, it gets more and more arid. So okay. um, the, the the star grape varieties in in in, uh, in the Doro are the ones that don't need too much too much water. Um, and in some areas, irrigation is is forbidden. The farmers can only practice uh, dry farming. And uh, you mentioned Adrian Bridge. Yeah, Adrian uh, was the guy behind uh, the Porto Protocol, which is yes. a very, very uh, interesting and important initiative that he set up a couple of years ago. Um, and and uh, Barack Obama, no less, actually attended the the first uh, climate change conference to get to, to get the, this initiative started, and the idea there is to use um, best practices in the wine industry as benchmarks for um, other companies to, to, to emulate and the thing is snow snowballed, snowballed and and really attracted a lot of membership and a lot of lot of attention and uh, Adrian. Uh, as you may know, is also uh, CEO of, of Taylor's Port, and Taylor's Port have done a lot of in- innovative things in terms of um, uh, ecological farming in in the Douro, um, and and you know slowly, slowly the, the idea of sustainable wine production is is catching on.
2: Your, your wine background and obviously being a wine writer, what makes the Douro so so such an interesting wine and and wine region?
0: Well. The, the, the Doro today has two um, two types of wine produced there. There's port wine, which is the wine that's been produced there for, for, for centuries. Uh, that's the kind of the traditional wine, still going very strong uh, in a kind of revival in the interest in, in port. And then about 20 or 30 years ago uh, a group of innovative experimental wine makers started to make what you could call table wine or still wine or at least uh, non-fortified wines, right? And they realized that they had an amazing uh, terroir, you know, which is the French term which which uh, defines everything that goes into um, a wine region, right? So it can be sun exposure, altitude, um, the soil. soil as well. Soil as well, all yeah. these things. Yeah, there's an extraordinary schist soil in, in the Douro. And uh, take for instance, um, the, the, the mountains in the Douro, which, which make it so beautiful and so, so kind of uh, distinctive. Uh, the fact you have a mountain means that you have different altitudes, obviously. So down, down by the river, uh, it, it's very hot, and that's suitable for port wine production. But up at the top of the mountain, it's cooler, it's fresher, and that, that might be perfect for making a lovely minerally white wine. Uh, And and white wines were absolutely unknown in the Doro. I mean, white wines are quality. They were unknown in the Doro 20 or 30 years ago. And now there are dozens of really outstanding wines. And and these these top quality um, still wines are are being exported all over the world today and and winning uh, all all the the top um, rankings and wine competitions. So the, the Douro is really on the map as one of the world's top fine wine regions today, like like Bordeaux or, or Burgundy or the Napa Valley or um, South Africa.
2: Let's talk a little bit about um, what you do in terms of uh, with, with in Porto as well with Grape Discoveries.
0: Yeah. Um, Port, Porto, we, we, we run small group uh, tours. Um, at the moment, of course, we're all emerging from confinement because of uh, COVID. So I think for the time being, our small groups will actually become private groups so that everybody feels uh, safe and and, uh, confident about about coming on a tour with us. And uh, we've got got a food focused one. We're just about to launch a wine focused one. And uh, I hope in a few weeks time, there'll be a, a running one as well. Which I think it could be a, a fun way to see the city of Porto.
2: Oh, it would be an amazing way to see this Porto is a much easier city to see on foot uh, than than by car or bus
0: it's, it's, it certainly is it certainly is yeah there are there's still a, a couple of trams running um, but the best way is really to to walk around yeah.
2: okay imagine i'm I'm from from the UK from your from your old stomping ground. I only have a day in porto i only have time for one meal and one bottle of wine right what do you what are you recommending
0: oh I, I i'm i'm recommending you 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 change your schedule and spend <laughs> the night very good um do 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 a morning tour with us that that'll give you a, a, a an introduction by by walking around and some some of the history and some of the stories uh then I would um, I would definitely visit one of the port wine lodges. Port Port wine has traditionally been um, aged and stored in Villanova de Gaia, which is the part of Porto opposite the city, uh, because because um, the, the climate there is 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 cooler and 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 the wine doesn't cook uh, as as it would in the in the very hot hot Douro. Um, so you you get these enormous, uh, they're that, that called port wine lodges with literally, you know, some of them have millions of litres of port ageing aging there. Um, the most, Taylor's is a very interesting one. They have a very good uh, audio tour. But the most spectacular one to my mind is, is Coburn's, um, okay. which which is absolutely beautiful. And they still have a working cooperage. You know, the the, the guys... that? Well, Co- cooperage is, um, is is the art of uh, making and and maintaining the, the, the barrels. Um, so you you have these very burly men who are manoeuvring enormous uh, casts, and uh, to, to to renovate them, they they have to number each wooden stave and you know take dismantle them and then make sure that they've numbered them correctly so that they can actually put the thing together again, and and uh, some of these huge casks are 100 years old, and it's it's very interesting because they're still using um, the, the tools that they had, you know, 100 years ago or 200 year, years ago, um, and, and this is a kind of very skilled artisan crafts, craftsmanship that's that's handed down from generation to generation. Now. Uh, the other day, I was talking to a young guy he was a, an apprentice, and he said, "My." My grandfather worked here as well, and my dad.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. I yeah. love that. I love that. Uh, um, I know it happens a lot with with wine, with the wine industry here, um, and in other places as well. But it's also a very Portuguese thing: this passing on our our legacy to our, our children, and and this is continuation of this family business and family yeah. legacy. Yeah. Trans- it's beautiful.
0: Mission transmission of. Uh, not just the, the the economic structure the business but of, of, of know-how um, it's partic- particularly uh, significant and I, I think in in the wine industry um, where family family wine businesses are are, are really uh, very well suited to that to that uh, industry um, you know they're not families are not focused on quarterly results and you're in a sense. If you're a vineyard owner, you're transmitting something. You're you're like a caretaker. You're transmitting something from your ancestors to your children or grandchildren.
2: Yeah, it's a wonderful custom.
0: It is, but, yeah.
2: But I'm going to 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 hold you to my question. So, what are, what should I eat and what should I drink to
0: well, when, give
2: me that true Porto experience? You sure. Know?
0: When, when you finished our, our morning tour, you might just be in time. For lunch at a at a lovely restaurant called Mito, that's M I T O. Okay. Uh, it's bang in the centre of Porto. I'm afraid I don't have the street street name in my head, um, but it's 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 a very cool contemporary design, and they have very good, uh, what I would call innovative Portuguese food. Right. By that I mean it's it's the it's re- the traditional ingredients, but. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of modern take and there's a bit more spice that you, than you would get in, in uh, traditional Portuguese cooking. So a, a lot of flavor. They have a very good inexpensive wine list. I seem to remember they have, it's either Dialogo or Redoma, which which are made by Dirk uh, people. Um, but I, 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 would, I would go there. And, okay. uh, then, then, as I said, either go to Taylor's or to Coburns in the afternoon for a for a uh, port lodge visit, and then, if you've still got time, it, it, you, you probably just would take a taxi or something um, or an Uber to the the, the Fundação Saralves.
2: Okay, what is that? Which,
0: the Fondação Saralves is, to my mind, Portugal's best uh, modern and contemporary museum. Hmm. And uh, they they do terrific uh, temporary exhibits, and it's 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 a beautiful building designed by uh, Portugal's uh, leading contemporary ar- uh, architect, who, who's uh, Alvaro Cesavera, Vera, uh, He was he was a Pritzker Prize winner, um, and I, I'm I'm very keen on him because I live in an apartment designed by him. Okay. Well, the whole the whole uh, housing well. project is designed by him. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the Fonda South is just outside the city center in, in, in a beautiful park. Um, I would recommend doing that.
2: Okay. I would yeah. recommend that people just spend a day with you. Cause you just seem to be the guy, <laughs> the guy to, to know what, uh, what to do and where to go and, and where to eat and drink and everything in Porto. So that's probably the best, the best way. So how can people find you online, get in touch and follow your, your work? Ah, very, very good question.
0: Well, two ways. Um, mm-hmm. They can look at our Facebook page. Uh, the company, is, as you said, is, is Grape Discoveries, G-R-A-P-E. Or they can look at our website, which is www.grapediscoveries.com.
2: And you have a YouTube, you have a YouTube channel as well, which I think doesn't get enough views. So uh, we we need to send people to to watch your YouTube channel because you've got some those yeah. interviews with those winemakers is absolutely are absolutely fascinating. So so yes, we'll we'll put links for the Facebook page, the the, the website, and your and your YouTube channel, um, so people can go have a have a look.
0: No, I, I've had a great time interviewing the winemakers because they're, they're people with enormous knowledge and, mm. and experience and, and terrific stories to tell. Um, so I think those are quite good videos, yeah.
2: I also think it's interesting, uh, you know, you, you interviewed Adrian Bridge, you, you interviewed um, Paul Symington. Yes. And, and these are people that are not from here, but it's home for them now. And I think it's almost like the, the winemakers and the wine families are the ones that led the way. Uh, like you said the pioneers of, of people just coming and just finding their home and finding their happy place in, in Portugal So I'm always fascinated by those kind of people and, and their stories as well.
0: Yes, yeah, I no, indeed um, The the Symingtons are fairly mixed bag. They they they're a, an Anglo-Scottish family and I think they, they rocked up here originally in the 1880s, you know, they've
1: been
0: a number a number of generations inevitably there was a bit of uh intermarrying with with uh portuguese people Mm -hmm. so um paul Paul sometimes describes them as what does he say um practical um and and romantic as well you know it's it's a kind of they 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 seem very english but but in a way there's a lot of there's a lot of uh portuguese uh passion to 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 them
2: yeah, it's amazing for me because you talk. They came in the 18th century, you know, no, the, 19th the, century. the 19th century. So, but I mean, still a long time ago. And, and, long time
0: ago. Yeah.
2: You know, the the misconception is that modern day Portugal is this accepting place, and and it's only modern day Portugal, but it's not. It's been like that for That people can just come here and be and and feel welcome and and find their home. And then the other one was the um the the the, the, the Dutch. I think was it a Dutch uh, winemaker as well.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. Um, Dirk-Nieport. Holland was one of the traditional export markets for port wine. Mm -hmm. So again, the the Nieports, I think, arrived in 1840 um, or something like that. And Dirk uh, is the first generation of that family to produce non-fortified wines. Nieport was originally a, uh, a distinguished port house and and Dirk has become one of the the world's best known winemakers really he's he's a uh, terrific star
2: incredible okay so let's um let's let's start wrapping things up here we've had a wonderful conversation okay. let's imagine that we're in one of these uh, tuskas that you mentioned we've got um a little bit of time left we can have three petishkus three tapas three snacks three things that that people can take away from this conversation
0: I, I would i would recommend Portugal to anybody really based upon my personal experience because I think it's really a country for today it's it's safe it's beautiful it's friendly and uh, it, it's it's uh, eco-friendly as well it's an environmentally responsible um, country and really it's it's a country where it's pretty easy to turn up, uh, get to know people, create something, or retire if you want to. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to slot in, and it's a very, very uh, happy, happy process. Um, the second takeaway, if you haven't discovered them, Portuguese wines, I think you should <laughs> you should make a beeline to your to your nearest wine wine specialist and and ask him or her what they've got. Uh, it's very difficult to find a bad wine in Portugal these days, and um, we've mentioned during this conversation, Dylan, a few of the the, the the good regions. The best one, and I don't just say that because of my business. It really is the best one. The best one is is the Douro Valley. Um, and maybe I could end on that as the third and last thing to, that I recommend. Uh, again, if you, if you don't yet know the Dora Valley, please go there. It's, it's uh, almost a life-changing um, experience. So certainly in, in today's after the experience we're all going through at the moment of, of COVID and so forth, it's a very calming, reassuring, uh, lovely place to be.
2: Excellent. James, a question that we ask all of our guests. Portugal, the simple life. Why?
0: It's, it's a society that doesn't take itself too, too seriously. Uh, there's a, a kind of modesty that's very attractive. Um, and, you know, you, it's a small country. You're always within easy reach of the beach. Um, and very often you'll be the only person on the beach because there's room for everybody. Um, and then, if you drive in the other direction, you can get into the most breathtakingly beautiful countryside. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very hilly country, so in fact, you, you, you almost have the impression there's more of it than there actually is, uh, and it gets remote quite quite easily, quite quite easily. Um, yeah, it's 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 a life that's it's a life that's relatively hassle-free, I would say.
2: James, I feel like we could speak for for hours about Doru, about wine, about about Porto, about Portugal. Uh, but for now, um, it's the end. I've had a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, thank,
0: thank you, Dylan. Yeah,
2: and I'm going to let you call it.
0: That's a wrap.
2: So thank you once again to James and thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up, and please leave a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, we go back to school with Sandra Catapinha, owner and founder of Learn European Portuguese Online. We discuss the beauty and the complexity of the Portuguese language. And as we say in Portugal, Te prossima." Welcome to the Simple Life.